Thanks for tuning into the Do Justice podcast. I'm your host, Steve Allred. We've got a great interview planned for you today. Before jumping into the interview, here's a question for you. Have you ever heard this idea that certain races, ethnicities, or nationalities are somehow superior to others? This strange and warped ideology has been around for a long time. In fact, it's been behind some of the worst atrocities in history. Surprisingly, this ideology is still here. It can also manifest itself in our immigration debate, where we talk about favoring certain nationalities or ethnicities over others for reasons that aren't based in fact. Does the Bible give us any guidance? The Bible tells us that in the beginning, God created mankind in his own image. Male and female, he created them, Genesis tells us. Paul reminds us of this in Acts chapter 17, verse 26, when he says that God has, from one man, made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. That's right, we're all related. All of us, every human being, no matter our race, nationality, or ethnic origin, we are made in God's image. Americans, Mexicans, Iranians, Afghanis, white, black, and brown, all of us are God's children. Well, in Romans 13, Paul takes it a step further and tells us that God's commandments are summed up in this one command— love your neighbor as yourself. He goes on to say that love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Who's my neighbor? Any other human being created in the image of God. Jesus, of course, taught us this in the story of the Good Samaritan. James, in his little epistle, also speaks out against prejudice and favoritism of any kind when he reminds us that loving our neighbor as ourselves means that we show love without discrimination. In James 2, verse 8, he wrote, But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. And then, of course, Jesus himself gets explicit as he looks forward to the final judgment. Speaking of those who will not enter the kingdom of heaven, in Matthew 25, verses 44 through 45, he tells us what they will say in that day. Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. today's episode, I talk with Rondell Trevino, founder and director of the Immigration Coalition. Rondell has thought a lot about loving his neighbor and how to apply that to our current situation here in the United States. He gets practical as we discuss why Christians should care about the immigration issue and how we can love our migrant neighbors and our local American neighbors. Rondell offers some practical solutions to America's currently broken immigration system, and we wrap it up with some ways that we can talk to our kids about immigration. Rondell, thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much as well for inviting me. So what is the Immigration Coalition? Yeah, so the Immigration Coalition uh, is an organization, a nonprofit organization, where we seek to uh, equip the church to embrace a biblically balanced approach to immigration that shows compassion to immigrants while at the same time respecting the rule of law. And we do that uh, in a few ways. 
Uh, we write articles. So we write articles on issues of immigration or questions we may receive around the topic of immigration to help equip uh, the church to, to view it, to view the issue of immigration and these issues from a biblical perspective, balanced perspective, rather than a far right or far left. Mm-hmm. Uh, we create media such as training videos. Um, we just came out with one, uh, I believe last week, which was answering the question, what do we do about illegal immigration? Um, and then we also implement biblical principles towards uh, issues of immigration, such as like the migrant crisis. We we have a page on our website that uh, gives a five point solution. Uh, we believe to that to that issue, or at least a starting point for legislators. Um, and then we also have our we just launched our podcast, um, and uh, we're getting ready to uh, publish our first book. So. Uh, the Immigration Coalition is just doing all it all we can through social media, um, through resources to be almost the most trusted uh, website or organization around the topic of immigration and where churches feel trust feel that they can trust what we're saying in a biblical manner and they can go to us whenever they need sermon outlines or study guides, things of that sort. And so mm, as an organization closer to yeah, there's a new organization getting closer to ending our first year this December. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're just continuing to try to do as much as we can to help educate the church and uh, equip the church that they, you know, that mm-hmm. one day when I retire or um, whatever God may call me to do, some, you know, down the road or call me home, uh, there's this website and this this place where there's tons of resources around the topic of immigration from a biblically balanced perspective. Uh, to help the church uh, equip themselves and equip one another and even their neighbor around this issue. So that's great. So what is that website address? The immigration coalition.com. Okay. So just, just that yeah. right there and people can check it out. Yeah. It's, you do have some great resources there cause I've looked on that and, and oh, appreciated cool. what you have to say on there. So, um, you know, I, I also follow you on Twitter and I've enjoyed, um, your your tweets you have uh, just a refreshing perspective on a lot of these issues that we'll get into here even more as we talk i'm sure one of your tweets i wanted to ask you about you said this you said i'm too conservative for progressives and i'm too progressive for conservatives i I like that so so how do you uh describe your theological positions and and social views because i think you're kind of talking uh, perhaps about both here, or at least these these issues get mixed up. It seems like when we're talking about yeah. social issues like immigration today, with theology and 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 social yeah. stuff as well. Yeah. So uh, for me, you know, personally, I'm not um, a Republican or Democrat. Um, you know, I, I am a follower of Jesus Christ at the end of the day. And even if someone leans mm-hmm. Republican or Democrat, at the end of the day, we're first, as Tim Keller says, we're, we're a Christian first, then we're a Democrat, or we're a Christian first, then a Republican, or a Christian first before we're uh, Latino or white mm-hmm. or black, whatever it may be. Um, and so because I'm first a follower of Jesus Christ, it compels me to follow the life of Jesus, to, 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 to see his life through the scriptures. And over and over and over, you see this consistency, um, even from the Old Testament all the way through Revelation of um, even God, uh, you know, speaking of the importance of, you know, I say I say I'm theologically conservative and socially compassionate. So the theologically conservative piece is, we're theologically con- I'm theologically conservative, especially our organization, 
in the sense that we still do care for unborn babies. Like we still mm-hmm. do care for uh, the sanctity of human life, not because we want to be on one side, but because Jesus and God's word calls us to live that way. It's that conviction where we have to stand up for the unborn and care for uh, the unborn because God has created all of us and formed us in our mother's womb. So there's this piece there that unborn babies are creating the image of God. They deserve protection and care as well as mothers who, who end up committing abortion and they need to be loved and cared for and ministered to because they're creating the image of God. Mm-hmm. And so at, on this, at the same time, we're not, we're, we're also, um, I'm also, uh, socially compassionate towards the marginalized of society. And that's what Jesus did. He was hanging out with sinners. He was hanging out with lepers. He was hanging out with people that were radically different in that day, in his time, and people would run away from and say that he was almost um, unbiblical and not following what God has called him to do, yet he flipped the script upside down, as we know, and he loved the marginalized of the day. And so for us, it's that living in that tension of, yeah, I think the the right is, they are right. We should protect the unborn. But at the same time, they struggle with being compassionate towards immigrants and migrants. Not all of them, but some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from the left, you see the the piece of, yeah, they love immigrants. They care for migrants. They're trying to show compassion to them. But then there's other this other piece where they're almost like, well, you know, unborn babies are just fetuses. And so for us as Christians, especially with in my convictions, well, it's not a it's not an either or, it's a both and and God calls us to live in that tension of, well, because of that, because Jesus cares for the unborn and he cares for uh the immigrant and the marginalized and the widow and the fatherless, then I can't as a Christian follow any political party or any leaning to um uh to, to do to do things outside of what God has called me to believe and to live out, and so that calls me to say, okay, we're, well, you know, I I can't lean right or left. I have to lean towards Jesus, and that's it. And mm-hmm. His those my convictions from Scripture compel me to love the unborn and to care for the immigrant and migrant at the same time. And it's possible. And I tell Christians off often, you don't have to choose either side. You could be. You can follow the way of Jesus and live in that tension in the middle. And guess what? When you do that, you will be too conservative for for progressives and too progressive for conservatives. And usually if you're getting uh, attacked or discriminated against from either side, Mm -hmm. it's usually a good sign that you're living in that tension biblically and and Mm -hmm. where you're supposed to. Yeah. Like Jesus said, we'll be unto you when all men speak well of you, right? Um, Exactly. And so that's kind of like the third way that I think um, like Shane Claiborne, for example, talks about um, in some of his books, um, that third way that's not really either um, ideological partisan uh, way. And it seems like we've kind of done that in our our society. We've we've got these boxes and we want everybody to fit into one box or the other. And um, and I appreciate your, your perspective. You're saying, hey, let's put Jesus first. So let's get back to immigration, and let's talk about the biblical case for why Americans in 2019 uh, should care about this issue. And I want to hear your position. I mean, do you think we should welcome these folks that are coming to, for example, our southern border seeking asylum coming from Central America? 
Um, you mentioned that you believe in, you know, following the laws of the land. And at the same time, you're yeah. talking about yeah. compassion. These are really tough issues, but we're, what's your position? And then, you know, make the biblical case for why we should care about this as Christians. Well, yeah, first I would just start with the biblical case. We're called to, to, to love immigrants, to care for them, uh, to, to do justice and to welcome them. And, and when I say welcome, because welcome in biblically in Matthew chapter 25, I believe verse 35, it's gotten so politicized that when people hear welcome, they think it's amnesty and let everybody in the in mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with national security. It's just welcome them with our hearts, welcome them as creating the image of God as people who one we're able to do ministry with because many are Christians and ministry too for many who aren't Christians. And so I just wanted to say that, um, but over and over, you see throughout Scripture, uh, God calling, uh, even in the Old Testament, calling the Israelites to to love the sojourner as a native among you, as we see in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 33-34. Um, we see the book of Ruth. She was an immigrant, and yet God providentially uses this man named Boaz to stand up for her, to care for her, to welcome her, to, to, to stand up in, in front of almost the, the city leaders. And to say, I care and I love her and I want to redeem her. Um, you see it all throughout the scriptures and especially rooted in um, the Good Samaritan. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37, where you see this religious lawyer who uh, believes he knows who his neighbor is. And yet he's struggling with uh, understanding that his neighbor is not just someone who looks, acts, thinks, or votes, or hangs out like him. It's someone who's radically different. And Jesus compels him to say the greatest commandment in verse 27 of Luke 10, and it's it's referenced from Leviticus 19. And when you read Leviticus 19, it's a passage that that God is talking to the 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 Israelites of the day, and He's helping them understand that because you are cleansed because of the grace that I've given you, now here's how you're supposed to live and love your neighbor. And when you get into chapter 19, all the way down to verse 32 to 34, He says, "Love your uh, sojourn, love the sojourner as a native among you. And so Jesus is trying to help this religious lawyer in Luke 10 understand that his neighbor is so vastly different that it's an immigrant. It's someone radically different. Mm. And so because of those, we see that over and over where Jesus is telling us to love our neighbor, love our immigrant neighbor, care for our immigrant neighbor. Um, and so because of that, um, God has called us to uh, dive into this immigration uh, this the complexity of immigration, uh, while at the same time understanding, uh, even though we're supposed to show compassion and love to immigrants and migrants, at the same time there's this piece of Romans chapter 13, verse uh, 1 through 7, talking about respecting the governing authorities. Uh, the important piece to understand that there is, if the if the law lines up with God's character, then we must o- obey the law. Mm-hmm. And so because immigration is so complex, there's the, the entire immigration system is broken. And so for us, uh, as Christians, we believe that it needs to be deeply reformed, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, like right now, we're, we've already surpassed a million, it just came out today, a million um, backlogs in, in, uh, in, I believe, visa petitions and, and court dates mm-hmm. for immigrants. So there's this huge backlog of visas and petitions from immigrants and cases that are supposed to be uh, reviewed 
And because of that, that's a huge piece on why a lot of un- a lot of immigrants and migrants come and almost come undocumented is because they don't have a trusted system. And so for us, we still want immigrants to come legally. Uh, I don't want any immigrant to come undocumented. Um, but when they do come undocumented, because the system is so broken, I'm not going to I'm not going. I feel as a Christian that I'm not going to scream Romans 13, get in line, do it the right way, because I understand how broken the system is. And also I'm trying to understand and show grace and mercy to the narrative of that particular immigrant family on why they actually left. Mm-hmm. And over time, building relationship with that family, uh, I'm able to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to help them try to figure out a way to get right with the law. And so overall, when it comes to what's going on at the at the at the southern border, one, <clears throat> we believe in border security. I believe when migrants come to the southern border and there's five thousand of them. I honestly believe it's just that's too much. It's too much. It's too much for us to handle. And so for us at the Immigration Coalition, we've 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 said, well, because there's the, there's just too much. Even though they have the right to seek asylum legally at the border, it's their right. There's a better processing way that we can go about this. And so what we've proposed on our uh, from my organization uh, is a five point solution toward the migrant crisis. And a piece of that was. Uh, helping to keep the uh, Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, uh, keeping them accountable to the foreign aid money that we give them, which is hundreds of millions of dollars every year, and keeping them accountable to help build their economy um, and to help build refugee processing centers in their home countries so that not all 5,000 of the migrants feel like they all have to come to the border because of a terrible backlog process but they have a consistent process over time where they're able to apply for asylum in their home countries and hear back, hopefully, within two or three months from a consistent process. Does that make sense? Sure. Um, yeah. So we've approached, we've tried, we, we've approached legislators and given some of this stuff, uh, our document of this five-point solution to legislators, and, and um, it's been received well in, in, in some ways. Um and and so at the same time, when it comes to that, there's also this 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 piece of showing compassion at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so for us, for us, right now, there's not anything implemented for you know refugee processing centers in their countries. And so you will have uh, uh, hundreds of migrants every day are trying to seek asylum at the at the border. And so it's their right to seek asylum. So because it's their right, I believe we as Americans, we as Christians must understand that they have a right to seek asylum, um, and we we must be willing to welcome that as Christians because it is their right and it is uh, U.S. law. But at the same time, even more practically, because at the end of the day, the whole broken immigration system, even though as, us as Christians, uh, we can bring them water, we can bring them food, uh, we can partner with churches along the southern border to love and to minister to them, to give them Bibles. I've done that numerous times. At the end of the day, to fix this broken immigration system, the church can only go so far. It's Congress's job. And so one of the most important things for us as Christians is to call our Congress and to tell them, hey, we want border security. We want uh, a barrier and wall in needed specific places. We need better technology through ports of entry. Um, to keep out human trafficking and drug trafficking that does come, but we're also we also want you to understand that we want y'all we want bo- uh, 
border security and comprehensive immigration reform that also shows compassion to the migrants that are good individuals who actually have a legitimate case and have the right to seek asylum, and we must focus on them. And so we have to, I believe, as Christians, first and foremost, understand that we can respect the rule of law and seek to have border security at the southern border, and it doesn't mean we hate immigrants. Mm-hmm. We don't. Sure. It doesn't mean we we despise migrants. It it means we want to. At one one way of loving our neighbor is also loving our American neighbor. So because of the reality that there are some undocumented immigrants who come with human trafficking and drug trafficking, then it is important for us to have border security to love our American neighbor and to love our neighbors in the country who are already immigrants and care for our families. And that's okay. But at the same time, we're able to have this healthy border security. We're able to focus on those migrants who are coming, who do deserve to seek asylum, and we're able to focus on their cases and help them to find safety in our country. And so there's this there's this this piece of we have to be living, and I keep I say this often, we have to live within that tension. We we can have border security, and it can be uh, a multifaceted approach, but we can also at the same time, and we should still show compassion to migrants and immigrants. Mm-hmm. It's a both and, it's not an either or. And I believe one of the biggest issues and the problems is we feel this tension and almost this pressure of, well, if I want border security, that's all I want. I can't have any compassion. Or if I want compassion, then I don't want border security. I got to mm-hmm. stay away from that as much as possible. But it's only going to work if we actually embrace both from a biblical perspective, because both are scriptural, <laughs> Romans 13, and at the same time, uh, showing compassion to our neighbor, Luke chapter 10, sure. the Good Samaritan. So I well, hope that explains this complex, you know. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's a complex yeah. issue, and you're, I think yeah. you're, you're, uh, the way you're looking at it is, is very interesting. You know, I, I think when it comes to human laws, though, and this is something I think that both right and left um, struggle with, or maybe we don't realize that we're struggling with it, and that is that, uh, human laws are are changeable, obviously, and yeah. um, they can be based upon moral principles. But some laws are not necessarily; um, they're just based on you know what some legislative body wanted to wanted to do. Um, and so, you mention, uh, for example, that migrants, that these people seeking asylum, have a right to do that. Well, that's a right that we've set up. But is there a moral? Uh, right as well, because I think I've heard some Christians uh, who it seems like are saying we shouldn't even, they shouldn't even have that legal right to seek asylum. They don't need to be doing this. And so I think there maybe isn't a misunderstanding as to why these folks are coming here um, that they think they're just wanting to make a little more money, have a little easier life. Yeah. Why is it that they're, they're coming all the way up here, risking their lives, many of these people to seek asylum? Right. And like, like you said, it, at the end of the day, I believe even, I believe when it comes to, um, laws and just even morally, I believe, I believe anyone who is trying to flee persecution and pain and strife, um, I believe they do, they should have a right to attempt to at least give give a petition to seek asylum in another country. Even even now, if we didn't have a law that allowed that, that morally we should as Christians be in favor of something like that. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. 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 But again, that does this this doesn't mean oh, we just open up our floodgates and let every country come in. <laughs> There's just no way that can happen. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do believe morally we should be willing to do that. I mean, uh, you know, we see it over and over uh, in, in Scripture where Jesus is, is com- literally opening up his heart, opening up his life to people who are broken and lost. And I believe as Christians, we must we must be able to do that, but in a wise manner, right? It's not, let's just everybody, let everybody in because we also understand that there's a piece there that doesn't, uh, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be beneficial for America. But I, I do believe that we should, uh, as Christians, naturally have that inclination of, we should show compassion, we should show love and care and have deep empathy for those who do want to come uh, seek asylum. Now, it doesn't mean that they, they might not qualify, right? Mm-hmm. You have a right. Sure. Sure. If it's U.S. law, you have a right. But this is, here's the reality, brother. There, there. If a five thousand migrant caravan comes, one on one and on one side, it's they're all they're they all deserve to seek asylum and come in. And then on the other side, it's they're all vicious criminals and bad people. Well, both sides are wrong because they're one generalizing a five thousand group of people. Now. As Christians, we should see it as a 5,000 group of migrants or 600 group of migrants coming. Okay, as a Christian, I can't say they're all vicious criminals, or on the other side, I can't just say, oh, they all just deserve to come. Mm-hmm. Because I've read many cases where it's just a, it's a, it's a diverse group, right? Not, not ethnically, but a diverse group when it comes to why they're coming. Sure. Some do want to come because they are fleeing persecution and violence and potential human trafficking. So they do deserve to seek asylum and get their petition reviewed. Some, and I've read this before, read this, there are some who are smugglers who bring the young daughters or uh, women or even children and act like they're related to these uh, these migrants. And they try to. I read a couple of stories before, um, about two or three months ago, when the, uh, when this came out, and they they attempted to say that they were their, these kids' father. Well, this is wrong. And then when they did an exam on these kids, they found out that they were deeply abused from them on their way to the border, and they were trying to seek asylum and trying to lie. Mm-hmm. So there's a diverse group of individuals when it comes to this. And so for us, we, we must understand that, that all, all migrants, I believe, do, get, do have a right to seek asylum. But we also have, must understand that it's a diverse group of people and that not all of them do qualify and not all of them do come because – they really are fleeing persecution. Many of them do come because they do just want a better life. Sure. And that's legitimate. But again, you don't, if you want to just come because you want a better life, but you're not fleeing any kind of persecution and you don't fit the definition of a migrant, then at the end of the day, we have to respect the rule of law and, uh, and understand that they just don't, they just don't fit, fit the bill, if you will. Well, and and I, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I, I was just okay. going to say, I think it, uh, you know, we have to also realize that the rule of law, of course, changes with the times. And, and of course, there was a time when America did essentially, you know, have what you might call open borders, right? Where we let anybody yeah. in, anybody could yeah. sh- jump on a ship and end up at Ellis yeah. Island and they could, they'd be yeah. let in. And, and I think that'd be interesting to talk about, like, what is your vision for what America's laws should look like? Not so much what they are now, but you mentioned the immigration system is broken. You mentioned your five-point plan. Describe that a little bit more for us. Like, what, what would it look like if America's immigration system was fixed and uh, was operating basically from a moral standpoint on a good plane as well as practically speaking? What, what would that look like to you? 
Well, because of the times that we're in and because of the broken, um, the brokenness when it comes to, uh, countries such as Central American countries, uh, I believe that, I believe that we couldn't go back to the Ellis Island type of immigration where you're just letting everybody in. That just doesn't, I just, I just feel like that would be because of, because of what's already going on with even record highs when it comes to, uh, immigrants coming undocumented, and even when it comes to the drugs and the cartels and the human trafficking coming across our border, if we were to open it up for everyone, then that would just mean more of that in an unhealthy way, possibly. Okay. And so for us, I believe as a country, we still have to have some laws. And so I believe a healthy, uh, a healthy approach to uh, um, immigration reform would be uh, – you know, rooted in, in again, balance. How do we balance out? Okay. We must still have laws that we need. We need better employers looking. We need to hire more employers. We need better employers when it comes to uh, border patrol agents that we need to train them better. We also need uh, to hire more employers so that we can look at these petitions and catch up to the million petitions and actually have a consistent process Mm -hmm. when it comes to reviewing these petitions and what would it look like for us to have a consistent process where migrant migrants will be able to hear from us in two or three months uh, rather than in mexico right now they're waiting 23 years to get their petition even looked at Mm -hmm. this would i believe would drastically cut uh, uh, immigrants coming to seek asylum and even coming undocumented because there would be a consistent process where they get to hear back and then also at the same time i said we'd also i hope i would hope that we would help them uh to to help build their economy with the foreign aid money that we give them a lot of this goes back to historical pieces of broken governments and the systems and government around these countries i mean they're just they're just corrupt governments were even now uh, uh, el salvador is finally on a good they finally elected a good president because the previous three or four presidents was was they were taking the foreign aid money and putting it in their own pockets practically. Mm-hmm. And so because mm-hmm. of that, if we can help them have this accountability piece, we're able to help them build their economy with the millions of dollars that we give them, build refugee processing centers, then I believe that we can shorten that because every migrant immigrant I've spoken to, even my wife who's an immigrant, at the end of the day, she came because I, I lived here in America, but at the end of the day, they don't want to leave their country. They love their country. Mm-hmm. Sure. Many of them. They just feel like they have to. But if we can help build their economy and help build refugee processing centers, even around the U.S. U.S. embassies in their own in, in their countries mm-hmm. where they can seek us out there, then one, they stay safer. And two, they're able to to feel like they can thrive in their own in their own country. I have mm-hmm. my sister-in-law. She's a doctor and she was solid. She went to school for eight years. She's a doctor. But there's, there was zero opportunity in El Salvador. Now she's here in America trying, doing her best and trying to petition for her son to come from El Salvador. Mm-hmm. If there was opportunity in, in, in El Salvador, then she wouldn't have came right. because there would be potential for her to grow. And so I believe a piece of that is us partnering with these countries, helping them build their economy, helping them to, um, to, 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 to really focus on refugee processing centers in their own country. And then you don't have, I believe, as many migrants coming to the border as you would uh, in today's world, right? Now, you would have some, but I feel that that would be manageable for us as, as America. And I believe that we, we would still need, and I still believe we should, still have a process where 
they do become vetted. They do have to petition uh, for, for uh, to come, but then it, that it's a fair process, right? That you're not having countries like Mexico having to wait 22 years or uh, other countries waiting 16 years or 17 years mm-hmm. that they hear back from us in a consistent way, in a consistent process. And it's fair across the board where the paperwork for an immigrant who has a master's degree from another country uh, gets moved up past a migrant or an immigrant who wants to come and they, they had no education, that it's mm-hmm. a fair process. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I w- that's how I would envision it. And I would love to see that. Um, and I feel like it would help our country. And then the, we, we would be able to almost allow those to, who come to our country, those would be the ones who actually need to seek asylum, who need safety and need uh, opportunity. And when they come, as we've seen, they're some of the hardest workers in our country. They do. They cut our lawn. They're on our roofs in the summer. Uh, they're in our kit. They're, they're washing uh, cars. I mean, they're doing every job that American, we as Americans don't, don't want to do. do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're humble people. I mean, we live, I live in a neighborhood with, with, with immigrants and my wife has spoken to many, uh, across the, across our street and they're good people. They, they put their head down and they just work hard and they're good individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like this would be a great way. And then another piece would be helping the 11 million undocumented immigrants come out of the shadows, helping them to uh, seek to get right with the law and one of their, when they seek to get right with the law, help them pay a significant fine, earn legalized status over time and prove that they're good individuals, I would say five to 10 years. And at the same time, we're helping them, the good ones, get right with the law and stay and get legalized. It helps our economy. It helps them as families. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we're able to focus on that small percentage of, uh, of undocumented immigrants who don't want to change mm-hmm. and who don't help our country flourish. And we're able to detain and possibly deport them if they're in cartels or if they're human trafficking or drug trafficking. Sure. So, wow. That's good. You know, I want to I want to just uh, wrap this up in a second here. But before we do, I want to read another one of your tweets. Um by the way, yeah. got to check out your Twitter, uh, whoever might be listening here. What is your, your Twitter handle if people want to look you up? Yeah, so it's at uh, Rondale underscore Trevino. So at Rondale underscore Trevino. Okay. So you tweeted a while back. You said, Jesus was never an American, Republican, Democrat, or Libertarian, but he was at one time a Middle Eastern immigrant as a child fleeing persecution with his parents to another land. And yeah. You know, that leads me to to a question here because, you know, we know that as as Christians who believe in the Word of God, Jesus said, as you have done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Um, and so it leads me to a question to wrap this up. You know, how can we as people of faith do justice in this area when it comes to immigrants, refugees, those seeking asylum? How can we, what are ways we can get involved, we can help, and and then I want to ask you as well, um, after I hear a little bit more about that, um, I'd like you to just uh, summarize how we can talk to our kids about immigration. I saw that you had put out something on that recently. I thought it was really good. Um, what are ways that Christians can get involved and, and do justice in this area? Yeah, so I would say first, I always start with this prayer. I think prayer is vitally important. Uh, it's not only not only when we pray for immigrants and migrants and that God would bring them to come to know Jesus or those who already know Jesus to give them comfort and peace, help them not to feel fear uh, like they do daily here in the United States, or just even as we're talking, migrants who are on this dangerous journey in the desert 
coming to the southern border and even those who are at the border, praying that God would be with them, that he would draw them to himself, that he would make them uh, feel comforted and loved and that the church would step up and to find ways to love them um, is, is really important. And at the same time, while we're, while we're praying for them, um, I believe it'll naturally lead to action, which is, I think, a really important piece is calling our representatives. So easily Googling my representative uh, in, in my so-and-so city or town and calling them and, and tell them, hey, I love immigrants. I love migrants. I just want to let you know that as a constituent, I, we, we need border security. We need to show, and we need to show compassion to immigrants and migrants. We need comprehensive immigration reform. Mm-hmm. I'm urging you to please fix the system. Um, and then also, I would say volunteer at a local um, immigration organization. So again, it's practical googling local immigration organization or near me, and figuring out ways to reach out to that organization and go serve and go volunteer to get in proximity with immigrants. Because most of the time, those who struggle with loving immigrants. Uh, especially undocumented immigrants and migrants at the border, it's pretty much because of the fact that they have never built a friendship with one. Mm. So I think building that proximity will build that empathy and that care uh, for us as Christians and will almost compel us to to act as much as possible on their um, behalf. So I'd say those three things, I mean, there's a ton of things, um, but those three things would be uh, great places to start right now. And then when it comes to... Um, how do we talk to our children about immigration? I've been thinking about this, and I've been wanting to write about it for a long time. And we just recorded a video about it, so we'll we'll have a training video coming out in a couple of weeks about it. But um, you know, I, I think immigration is just a really important, hot topic in today's world. I have two daughters, one that's about to be two, one that's uh, eight months, and my wife's an immigrant. And so, uh, just as a father thinking about as my children grow up and as demographics shift as culture becomes even more multi-ethnic immigration is going to always continue to be this, this buzzword. I mean, it's been a buzzword for so long. So as Christian parents, how do we have to figure out ways to talk to them in a healthy way? And I, and I, and I shared in my article, the first thing I think is uh, reading uh, biblical stories of immigrants. So I would say, you know, starting with Jesus in Matthew two, when, Shortly after he was born, he fled as a migrant with Mary and Joseph to another land um, and, and helping our children to understand that this is this was intentional because Jesus wanted to show immigrants that he empathizes with them, that he cares for them. And so we should, too, as they're in school and they start seeing a multi-ethnic group of individuals from different cultures and countries. Um, and then also said sharing um you know, uh, migrant stories of children at the border. Uh, there's articles out there of testimonies from migrant children who've been separated from their, their parents. I think sharing some of those stories would be really important for our children to hear, uh, for them to have a heart to pray for them, and for them to under- understand how privileged they are um, as American children um, when it comes to when it comes to this. Um, and then also, I, I I love the piece of watching movies. My my daughter loves watching Toy Story, and I've been just thinking about um, just diff- the the vastly different movies out there, like Aladdin, Toy Story, uh, Moana, Coco of these uh, of of these individuals who are from different cultures and ethnicities, and they're just re- it's really cool to watch these movies with your children, and even pause in the middle of them and explaining how vastly different they are. And celebrating the beauty of that and helping them to know 
that they're more than likely as culture becomes multi-ethnic, they will come in contact with that. And it's not something to run away from, but something to celebrate and something to engage with. And as Christians, we get to to engage with them and love them and to share the gospel with them in a healthy way. Mm. Um, so I think that's just really, really important. And then finally, it was uh, seeking to find relationships and building relationships with diverse families. My wife does this really well. Um, she builds authentic relationships with uh, white. We have a there's a white couple white families that we hang out with. She hangs out with. Um, there's a couple African American families. She, she's usually around uh, places that are intentionally diverse. So our daughters get to be around. Um, they get to be around you know individuals and children their age that are that are they look different than them. And so it helps them to see the beauty of uh, a multi ethnic. Uh, world and I think it's a piece of it gives them a piece and slice of heaven as well. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. beautiful, Rondell Trevino. Thanks so much for talking with me today. And again, uh, your website is immigrationcoalition.com, Correct? Yes, the immigrationcoalition.com. Yep. The immigrationcoalition.com. All right. Yep. Thanks again for talking with me today. Thanks for listening. Email us your comments, questions, or ideas for future episodes of the Do Justice Podcast. Our email is dojusticenow at icloud.com. 